bet you want to talk about your weekend. I don't know how I lived through it. <laughs> that was the most stressful. Well, really the the last hour or so, but I I haven't haven't taken a shit since Sunday because I lost all of it in that last thirty seconds. Good lord, it's <laughs> the most foul thing I've ever heard. But I'm also not surprised. For those of you folks at home, we're of course talking about the finish dancing with the stars, the Vikings and Saints game which I actually missed live. <laughs> uh, it was kind of funny when the, Ram- uh, the Rams, when the Saints um, scored a touchdown with, I don't know, three or four minutes left, I decided to leave the house because I didn't want to be around Seth after a loss. Um, it turned out I, I still made the right choice not to be around, but... It was a happy accident. So I'm, <laughs> I left the house and went to the movie theater, and I'm sitting in the theater during previews. I'm watching on my phone, and the Saints are up, and then the Vikings kick a field goal, and then the Saints kick a field goal. There's like 25 seconds left, and the movie started, so I turned it off. So I'm sitting there in the beginning of this movie, and my smartwatch just starts going fucking crazy with alerts. And I look down at it, and the only thing I see is that my dad has sent me a text that says, holy shit. (laughs) And so I was like, oh, my God, something happened. So I take out my cell phone, like you're not supposed to do in the movie theater, and I I pull it up, and I see that I also have a missed call from my brother, (laughs) and then my phone dies. So now I had to sit through the entire movie. It was the post and wonder what happened and finally i got out to my car afterwards and and and, um charged it up and found out what had happened and it was pretty wild Uh, i'm like i said i'm just glad i think i would have lost some respect for you had i seen you celebrating oh yeah the way i'm sure you were (laughs) i think i lost some respect for myself (laughs) No, you and was... a lot of other folks. Have you seen some of the reaction videos on YouTube? I have, yeah. I watched as much as I could from this moment because it was insane. Yeah, it yeah. was pretty wild. We'll but... talk a little bit more about the um, the, the the finish mm-hmm. when we get to sports, I'm sure. Yeah, I probably should welcome people in, huh? <laughs> Yeah, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> Welcome to episode 27 of the SoCo Show. Of course, as always, I am your regular host, Seth Ott. And he is a poor sport because I am the co-host, Cody <laughs> Michael. <laughs> we have a packed show. A lot of movie stuff. I had a fun weekend where I saw something along the lines of seven movies <laughs> in the theater between Thursday and Monday night. So a lot of movie reviews coming at you, a lot of movie news coming at you, and uh, a little little bit of extra nonsense along the way, I, I am sure. But first, as always, we have to start with the Iron Sheik Tweet of the Week. I call you a punk. If you can't live with the one you love, honey, then go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself, indeed. I'm beginning to sense a theme with the Sheik. He wants a lot of folks to go fuck themselves. Yeah, he likes when people fuck themselves. But he's also sometimes 
pretty positive. Um, like for MLK Day, he said, respect all my brothers forever. God bless you. Hashtag MLK Junior Day. That's a pretty good MLK tweet. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think you probably better share the one I know you want to share from Sunday. <laughs> yeah, it was just, uh, just one word. Not fuck either. Uh, it's just excellent. Hashtag Vikings. Excellent indeed. This has been the Iron Sheik Tweet of the Week. I call you a punk. It's a funky tune. It is funky. <laughs> it's maybe my favorite sounder that we have now out of the new bunch. Uh... But I suppose there is uh, competition for our new favorite sounder oh, yeah. with one I'm about to play for the first time because we have video game news. Video games. Whoa! <laughs> Wow! And our video game news comes from one of your favorite franchises, and that's God of War. Yes, we're getting closer to a release date, so not real specific news, but something got leaked the other day about how it'll be coming out. The original leaked date that's kind of rumored is March 22nd, I think, Um, but it sounds like it'll be in March, whether it be probably later on in March, I'm assuming, but... Originally, it said quarter one, so anytime between March and April, I'm assuming. Well, that's exciting. I'm surprised that there's not more lead time. Mm-hmm. I would have expected to see a trailer or something more official by now, but I, this is still good news, I suppose. Are you getting excited for it? Very much so. Yeah, that I haven't had really a video game to play in a bit, so um, this is one of the franchises that, you know, I've talked about it before, but it has quite a history and lore to it so excited to dive back into it and kind of see what's happened since the last game which came out in i think oh nine so it's been almost 10 or yeah almost 10 years now god yeah that is a long ass time well it's about time we get a new one all right from there let's get over to sports sports and boom goes the dynamite (laughs) big weekend nfl divisional playoffs so we had four big games, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. I know the one you want to talk about, so we'll talk about that last. Uh, the Jaguars uh, and Steelers. So to start the week on Saturday, we had Eagles and Falcons. And I was a little surprised by this outcome. Falcons, or sorry, Falcons lost. They did. In probably the worst game in recent playoff history. <laughs> Uh, 15 to 10, all field goals for Philly, but they they finished it off at home. It's really weird because we both we both picked Atlanta last week because they're really strong showing against the Rams. Then they come out and lay an egg against Philly. We've been talking about how inconsistent this team is. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on Atlanta or or the Eagles? Yeah, Atlanta just that's how they are. They're really inconsistent. Even last year, like they. Going into the playoffs, they were kind of an inconsistent team. They were consistent going into the Super Bowl, obviously, but um, and then all season they were pretty inconsistent. the The Eagles they got a damn good defense, and so that's that's keeping them in it right now. Um, their offense has a lot to be desired still. But, yeah, no kidding. Um, I, I think their defense still gives them a shot in any game, and they still I mean they still scare me overall because they got a defense and they got a running game, and if there's three teams in the playoff left in the playoffs that have that same exact formula. formula. So, yeah. you know, you never know what can happen. It's it's at Philly for this upcoming game. So you don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be interesting. Flipping over to the AFC. Also on Saturday night, we had New England taking on 
the Tennessee Titans. Again, these Titans had no business even being in the playoffs, in my opinion. But they yeah. were able to hang fifth, uh, 14 points <laughs> on the Patriots, which is more Ooh. than I imagined they would. But uh, the Patriots hung 35, mm-hmm. so wasn't really a good ball game. No surprise here, I think, for most folks. Tom Brady was incredible, as he always is, and they're skating into the AFC Championship. I think this is something like the seventh time consecutively that they've been involved in the AFC champion game. Yeah. And that is nuts. That's crazy. Tom Brady's best of all time. That's, I mean, hashtag analysis right there. <laughs> yeah, no doubt that they're the team going in to next week that is walking in. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is coming off really hard-fought, tough, emotional victories. Mm-hmm. This is business as usual for the Patriots. Yep. Their opponents... Uh, a little bit of a surprise for some folks it was mm-hmm. the Jacksonville Jaguars who beat Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was the home team in this game. Jacksonville's mediocre offense came in and hung 45 <laughs> points yeah. on the Pittsburgh defense. Holy shit. <laughs> they lose this game even though Roethlisberger throws for something like 450 yards and five touchdowns. Yeah. And they like, still find a way to lose that game at home. Yeah, against the best pass defense in the league. And for whatever reason, the Jaguars have the Steelers number because they did this last time. They th- hung 40 points on them in week seven or whatever it was. Um, that time the Steelers only scored three points, but... Um, for whatever reason, the Jaguars played just lights out against the Steelers. Do you think something I've heard a lot is that the Steelers were looking ahead to New England? Do you think a part of the problem was that they weren't taking Jacksonville seriously enough? I don't think so. I I just think that Jacks. I do think Jacksonville has a damn good defense, and even though they gave up thirty some points, um, they did it against what I think they were the number one ranked offense in the league this year. So, Probably close, if not number one. I know the Saints were number two overall. I'm I'm pretty sure the number one. So, I mean, th- there is probably a little bit of that, you know, looking forward. But in the playoffs, that's just something you can't do. And I don't think a lot of players really do it uh, at that stage in the game of the divisional round. I could see a little bit in the wild card round, wild card round, but not in that against an opponent they already got smoked against early in the season. Yeah, this is whatever the reason may be. Pittsburgh is super disappointing. Yeah. They they were, you know, ranked in the top three teams in football most of the season. You talk about having Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, and Le'Veon Bell, and they still haven't been able to put together a playoff run mm-hmm. after, what, three or four seasons with all of them. Yep. Now Le'Veon Bell goes into potentially being a free agent they're talking about franchise tagging him he's already talking about holding out if they Mm -hmm. try to do that i really think pittsburgh has kind of missed their chance unless they can find a way to get all three of these guys back together next year this is going to go down as one of the great missed opportunities for them to win the super bowl yeah i I think i think when it's all said and done they'll all be back there next year um Mm -hmm. like you said roethlisberger's already said he's coming back i don't think there's any I think Brown had his extension, so he'll be there. Bell, I think, will end up getting a long-term deal done just because of the threats and everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, you still got Bryant and Juju, who's added a lot to the offense. Um, the, the other thing I noticed during that game was they have the tight end Vance McDonald, who was incredible in this game. Um, he 
was coming up clutch whenever the other receivers weren't open. So, and he came on quite a bit towards the end of the year. So, um, he's a pretty athletic, uh, big tight end. So, um, maybe next year he gets more involved uh, and they just need to add more pieces to that defense. Cause that defense while improved this year, they're still not good enough to hold up against teams like the Patriots and, and some of the other high powered offenses in the FC. Yeah, you're right. I, I really do hope they get back. I love watching this offense and, you know, I would love to see Roethlisberger get another championship. I just dig the way the guy plays. He's kind of one of those tough, like, all-American dudes mm-hmm. that you don't really get a lot of anymore. But uh, let's let's talk a little bit about the victorious team. You have the Jaguars here, and, and they scored 10 points last week against Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And they scored 45 points this week against Pittsburgh. Yep. What do you expect to see out of them next weekend? Do you give them a chance against the Patriots? Who's who's your pick to come out of the AFC? Well, my pick is the the Patriots. Uh, in terms of your first question, though, of giving a chance, I think with a defense like that, I think you have a chance. Um, a defense and a running game. It depends on how healthy Fournette is because uh, he came out of the game pretty banged up and clearly not running to the level he was even in the first half. Because in the first half, he had he was averaging something like seven yards a carry, and he was just gashing them. And then the second half, he came back, he had twisted his ankle up, uh, which has been hurt all season, and he was just he, he couldn't cut on it at all. He was just running straight up and down. So if he's healthy and that defense is playing to the top level that it has all season, I give him a shot. Um, not much of one, really, but... You know, you never know. You never know at this stage in the game. Yeah, I think that the run is going to end next week for Jacksonville. They'll pat themselves on the back for a good season and go home. Yes, I think this could be a good game. I think they match up well with New England, but it's New England. Mm -hmm. And everyone who's bet against Tom Brady and the Patriots has lost. Yep. So you won't catch me trying to make a slick bet for odds uh just give me the patriots straight up they're gonna find a way to win this game yeah they're the best quarterback team left they're the best coach team left and you know you may argue with me on this but i don't think it's fucking close (laughs) um so they're gonna be my pick at least for the afc championship game we'll talk super bowl picks a little further down the road We'll, we'll stay in this round yeah but let's look at the nfc We talked earlier, Eagles beat the Falcons last week, so they're going to host the Vikings, Mm -hmm. and as our good friend Paul Allen said, it's going to be about 48 and drizzly, but there's a purple rain going to Philadelphia. Good God. (laughs) Uh, What are your thoughts going into this game? Now, let me remind you, it's still five days away, so try not to give yourself a heart attack, (laughs) but what are your thoughts about the matchup going into the NFC title game? Um, God, it's, it's tough, um, for me to, especially coming off this week, I, I haven't stopped thinking about that damn play for about three days. So, but no, it, it's, it's definitely an interesting matchup. It's going to be low scoring, I think, uh, because of the, how good the defenses are on each side. I mean, just the Vikings offense isn't super potent. I mean, I know they, they had the big play last week, but otherwise they'd scored 17 points in the first half and then nothing in the second half, essentially it's kicked a field goal. So it's going to be low scoring. I think they do match up pretty well because they, they do the same things pretty well. So uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to make a pick. I still am not going to do that because that's just how I am. So um, obviously I want the Vikings to win and, and win comfortably this week and not give me a heart attack again. But 
It'll be uh, close. I think, I think it'll think be close. A, I think that's a big ask. I think this is going to be a good game. Um, I think that Philly's defense is what's going to make this a game. Their offense in no way scares me. I mm-hmm. don't think they're going to put a lot of points. I don't think they're going to put up a lot of points. I think whichever team can get to about 20 points is going to win this ball game. Um, and it's going to be all about the defenses. You know, who, who can stop the run and get off the field on third downs? Maybe it's a couple big turnovers. I think this will be a close game, but I am going to pick Minnesota in it. I think they're the more well-rounded team specifically I'm talking about their offense. I think they're going to be able to hang more on the Eagles than the Eagles will be able to hang on them. And as as little as I want to pick the Vikings, I, I do have to do it here. I, I think that they're the better team going into this one. I want to talk a little bit more generally about these playoffs and specifically last week. And I'm thinking about the Saints, right? Mm-hmm. That that play to end the Vikings game was one that will go down as one of the biggest blunders in sports. Like your Bill Buckner's, mm-hmm. um, you know, pick another one. I, I can't think of another one besides Bill Buckner, but that whiff by the safety from the Saints is one of the all-time bonehead plays. And that's not to take anything away. I don't mean to take anything away from the Vikings. That was a well-designed play and had a chance to set them up for the The game-winning field goal. Yeah, They ran the play they called well. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it went for that touchdown should not have happened. That was a a missed opportunity. Uh, He wraps them up, the game's over. Yep. And... The reason that this bums me out so much, I I was listening to, actually it was Coward today, Colin Coward, and he made, I think, a really good point. A lot of people are going to blame that player, but I think, and I agree with what Coward was saying, this comes down to coaching more than that individual player. Because the Saints had a timeout right before that play. And in any sport, when you have a timeout in a big situation like this if you're in baseball and the bases are loaded and you are up a run in the ninth you call a timeout you tell your defense corners in if it's hit to first and third you throw to the plate if it's hit up the middle you turn the double play if it's basketball and it's the last play of the game you say don't foul or you say hack right away or you say deny this player the ball Mm -hmm. if you're a football coach and you have a timeout before that play you make sure every one of your defenders knows don't go for the interception wrap up and make the tackle and apparently nobody told that to that guy (laughs) because it was obvious the whole way that's not what he was thinking Mm -hmm. he was thinking kill shot and it's so either a coach didn't warn him. Also, their play design was bad on that one. Mm-hmm. They were defending the center of the field for whatever reason instead of the outsides. And the point I'm making is that Drew Brees was robbed in this game. Yeah. Because down 17-0 at the end of the first half, he came back, and I think his passer rating was something like 140 in the second half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he threw three touchdowns, no interceptions, brought him back, had two game-winning drives in that game, 
And that should have gone down as an epic Drew Brees performance. Instead, we're talking about Case Keenum. (laughs) And again, I don't mean to take anything away from the Vikings, but the point I'm making here is that Drew Brees deserved to win that game. And it was his shitty defense, which he has always had when he's been on the Saints. It is a shitty defense that cost him that game. And I think that's unfortunate. So I would agree that was a shitty defensive play. That defense, though, was actually a good, really good defense. Um, they were they were in the top ten all year. So that's a they had a good defense all year. Uh, that was a really bad play by that by that safety though. Um, and part of it too though is that they ran they ran that play multiple times in the game, and they even ran it the, that same play the play before. And that play is not designed to go to Diggs. It was designed to go to Jarius right in the middle of the field, and case just made a decision in that moment to throw it to Diggs. so that defender had seen that play before from what i understand he'd seen that play before and didn't expect it to go to Diggs, and that's kind of where it all broke down so right and i guess i should generalize because you're right they did have a good defense this year and that that rookie had he was um he's been in talks for defensive play the rookie defensive rookie of the year and i mean the he was one of the re- he was the second round pick for them this year, and he he is one of the best players on their defense. It's just you know one of those things that is a freak thing that happened. Yeah, I guess what I mean to say is that for how many the how manyth time in a row it's it's another player or another play that had nothing to do with Drew Brees mm-hmm. that cost Drew Brees a game that Drew Brees should have won, and I see a similar situation in Pittsburgh where again they allowed Blake Bortles to hang 45 points on them in a game where Ben Roethlisberger had 80 fantasy points (laughs) and they lose because of how crappy their defense played Um, you hang you know like I said 600 yards of offense against the best maybe second or third best defense in football this season you should win that game at home Mm -hmm. so on both of those games whether it's bad coaching or a bonehead decision you're looking at the second and third best quarterbacks left in this playoffs and they're going home because of shit that wasn't their fault yeah and i just think that sucks because now we have a playoffs where it's blake bortles case keenum and (laughs) nick Foles against tom brady Mm mm-hmm and we could very well end up with a playoffs that's Blake Bortles versus Nick Foles. And that is fucking sad. <laughs> the last time something like that happened, it was Brad Johnson versus like Rich Gannon in the 01 uh, Tampa Bay and Oakland game. Mm-hmm. And I just think that sucks. It, I really feel for Drew Brees and I feel for Ben Roethlisberger, guys toward the end of their career that have to, you know, go home again. That sucks. Um, and I, I'm glad that each of them has said they're coming back, and I hope that they both get, get chances again at it. Mm-hmm. I really do. I've I've honestly been rooting for Breeze versus Brady. Obviously, I'm not going to get it now, but that would have been cool. Now, that said, if it ends up being whichever team it ends up being, the Vikings or the Eagles, if they can get to the Patriots – I think that'll also be a good game because you're looking at a top two or three defense against Tom Brady, which, mm-hmm. you know, is something that's always exciting to see. So I will repeat again, not to take anything away from the Vikings on this at all, but my first thoughts here are about Tom, uh, Drew Brees and the rest of that Saints team that 
did everything they could to win that game, and it was it was one bonehead play, uh, one Minneapolis miracle that, <laughs> uh, that took it away from them. The flip side of that, for the Vikings, to go from we've lost this game to holy shit, did we just win this game, is pretty damn exciting. Yeah, I, I went through the biggest swing in emotion I've ever gone through in my entire life. I was I was literally sitting there like I'm done watching football. <laughs> <laughs> I was like I can't go through this shit anymore because this happened in '09 with against the Saints, and then all of a sudden he caught that ball and I, it, it took me until the next day to even really fully believe that that happened. <laughs> well, that's that's the great thing about sports, right? And especially football is that stuff can turn on a dime, and I guess that's why we watch, right? All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on the championship games next Sunday, and then it'll be all about the Super Bowl, baby. So we will uh, we'll take take a look at that from all angles in the the next couple episodes. But for now, let's get over to TV. That's what she said. TV. Just one bit of TV action this week, and. Um, I just want to give a very quick recommend to the new show on Netflix uh, starring David Letterman. It's called My Next Guest Needs No Introduction. And it's sort of a Letterman revival show where it's it's really just a talk show, right? Mm-hmm. There's not really any monologue. There's not really any segments. But he's going to have really awesome guests come on. Uh, it's shot live, and he, they just have a conversation. They just talk to each other. Is Paul Schaefer on? Nope. What? There's no. It's it's literally just David Letterman and his guest sitting on a stage in front of a crowd, and they just talk. And mm. the first episode just dropped last Friday, and he had Barack Obama on there. Barry. He had my my good boy Barry and Barry O. The, the two of them. They have a sort of parallel between them, mm-hmm. right? Both of them have just retired from the job that defines their life, mm-hmm. right? And now they're both in this situation where they're trying to figure out, now what do I do, right? Mm-hmm. And that dynamic between the two of them, I think, lended itself to a very, very real and honest conversation they're both really funny guys, so mm-hmm. there's a lot of really funny stuff in it, but a, a lot of a lot of meaningful stuff too. They talk a little bit about like the the current administration and uh, race relations, and they talk about Obama's his life before he was president. He talks about his life as a family man now, and you get to learn a lot about Barry and also about Dave, who he he kind of talks a little bit about himself. Um, it, it's really not so much an interview as it is a conversation between those two guys. That's and cool. they're two super interesting guys. So yeah. I highly recommend going out to Netflix and checking that out. I've always liked David Letterman. That's something I've been interested in checking out. I've seen it scrolling by a few times. So yeah. The new show, they're going to put an episode out. I believe it's once a month. Okay. So only the first one is up right now with Barack. So you got plenty of time to catch up. I think his next guest is going to be George Clooney. Oh, interesting. So a little bit of a change of pace, obviously different <laughs> from Barack. But uh, Clooney's always been an interesting guy, and I know he'll have a lot to say. So I'll yeah, be, I'm looking forward to that one. He's transitioning more into kind of a producer-director role instead mm-hmm. of acting. So be interesting to hear kind of how he thinks of his career and everything like that. So Yeah, for sure. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna try to catch all these episodes. Just I really like just the way that they have it set up and the mm-hmm. way it's shot. It's just it's cool. Cool. Well, one other bit of TV news we got this last week. Something we talked about a while back being announced, and finally we got a home for it, the John Wick TV series. Oh, yes, the Continental. And we, we had actually had a conversation about that of kind of like, and I don't know if whether this is on air or for this was on the podcast, but we're hoping it wouldn't go to like a, a network, like CBS, NBC, Fox, mm-hmm. that type of thing, because we want it to be the full John Wick blood and sweet action and things like that and we got our wish here uh it'll be on the stars network so they put out some good shows recently they um american gods which is based off of a book was on there they got some praise recently um so hopefully they get some good production value and i know john wick is going to be producing and the director of john wick the first and second one is going to direct the first episode so you mean keanu reeves is producing what did I say, John Wick? You called him John Wick. He is. That's who he is. He is John. Well, he is Neo, and no. he plays John Wick. No. Yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, I'm excited for this. Um, glad it's on Stars, where they have a little more freedom to do what they want and not have commercials. So their damn subscription, I'm have to buy. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but yeah, I know both of us are going to be checking that one out. For oh sure. yeah, hell yeah. Well, with that, like I said, we have a ton of movie stuff to get to, so let's jump into it. Quiet on the set. Can we please have quiet on the set? Movies. We're going to start in the DC Extended Universe. We're the DCEU. The DCEU, exactly. We're, we're going to start with the Flashpoint movie, which now has directors, and I do say directors because it's two guys. Wild and crazy guys. <laughs> their their names are John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, <laughs> which you may not know those names. They're lawyers. You, you may they are Goldstein. You may not know their names, but you'll know a couple of their movies. Most recently, they were part of the writing team for Spider Man Homecoming. Woot, which is a big deal, and then. Some of their other writing credits, though, I think are less inspiring. Uh, Horrible Bosses. Okay, I, I actually like that one. So did I. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2. A lot of people like that one. Okay. How about The Incredible Burt Wonderstone? Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> oh, my um, God. I'd completely erase that movie from my memory. <laughs> yeah, not... Um... Steve Carell left the, left the office for that fucking movie. Yikes. Can you imagine doing that and then having to look back at it? Yeah. So these guys have a, a checkered past, but they are comedy writers. And we had heard before that Flashpoint was supposed to be a little more, uh, I guess, comedic and upbeat and funny and stuff. Which, so. that is so dumb because that's not the comic at all. The comic is one of like one of the more dramatic ones <laughs> that exists. So we'll see how that works. Yeah, but you know DC, always overcorrecting, right? Mm-hmm. Here's a too dark of a movie, so now we make too silly of a movie. Yep. It's, now they're going to swing back that way. We shall see. DCEU also, this whole Ben Affleck thing has been very strange. But whether, you know, will he, won't he continue to be Batman? The latest uh, rumors circling the mill, and these are still rumors, I want to be clear. But the latest news, or again, rumor, is that they have talked to Jake Gyllenhaal about taking over the role of Bruce Wayne slash Batman and that he is sort of waiting in the wings 
for Affleck to be done, whether mm-hmm. he has a written off appearance or if he just they just do a flat recast. I don't know. It sounds like potentially um, Suicide Squad two could be yeah. his last appearance, or Flashpoint could be Ben Affleck's last appearance, and then he'd immediately be taken over by Jake Gyllenhaal in one way or another. Jake Gyllenhaal. What do you think of him as potential Batman? I like him. I, I think he would do a good job. I mean, everything I see him in, he does an incredible job in. Mm-hmm. And I recently watched that Stronger movie that I really loved and thought he deserves more attention for. But uh, no, I, I would be I would be happy with him as him as the the new Batman slash Bruce Wayne. It would make more sense for Ben Affleck to leave in Flashpoint because some things get rewritten in that storyline anyway. Mm-hmm. So you could probably do it in a way that makes sense or you just, you could even do it in a quick one-off type way. Like, Oh, you look different, Bruce, like that type of thing. Um, might not be like the smartest way to do it, but it's easy. <laughs> you know, um, there's, there's a number of ways they could do it, but I think flashpoint would make the most sense. Yeah. I, I think that it's not super important to me that it's a clever way that they do this. Honestly, if he just showed up in the next movie and it was just him, that'd be fine with me. I don't really have a problem with recasts. Uh, I know a lot of folks do, and it would bother a lot of people, so mm-hmm. probably they will do something. Yeah. What do you think of this? What if he were to be introduced as like a Tim Drake or Dick Grayson and take over the Batman mantle that way, maybe after like a Bruce Wayne death. Would you like to see something like that? Um, I don't know. What I would like to see if they're going to do something like that is to do it kind of like Batman Beyond, where it was a, a young kid not related to him in any way take over the mantle. Mm-hmm. And in Batman Beyond, Bruce Wayne is still existent, and he is kind of a mentor. Um, but maybe just doing more of that where he's – he can be a mentor through like the computer where he doesn't have to be on there. He can be like a, you know, just like typing things or, you know, they can have someone even cast an older Bruce Wayne even mm-hmm. and maybe flash forward a little bit, something like that. Um, who knows? But I wouldn't mind if it's someone different as Batman. Yeah. I think that if they get Jalen Hall in there, I think it'll bring some much needed gravitas to their actors Mm -hmm. they really don't have anyone that is worth a damn as an actor and i i like all these guys i think ezra miller is super talented but Mm -hmm. i think he's never going to get to show that he's just going to keep making dumb quips but the rest of them are very mediocre actors in my Mm -hmm. opinion so i think to have gyllenhaal in there would really give it some weight uh which i i would look forward to let's flip over to the mcu a couple pieces of news here one thing I'm pretty excited about, got some Spider-Man news. It does sound like there's a rumor circling that Tom Holland's Spider-Man is going to make an appearance in the Venom movie that's yeah. coming out later this year. Kind of a surprise to me. Yeah, it's and it's not really confirmed what his role would be, whether it's a cameo or a little bit part or even just like a quick... He runs into him in the in the street of New York or something like that, or he swings by. Might not even need Tom Holland in it, maybe just his voice, and they have a CGI Spider-Man or something. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, I, I think that would do well for the movie. Um, I don't know how Marvel and Disney feel about that, but um, I think it 
would be interesting to see. Yeah, the more Spider-Man, the better, honestly. If Spider-Man shows up in Itania, which <laughs> we're going to try to see this weekend, I'll be psyched. So, more Spider-Man, the better for me. I like this. Also in the MCU, Guardians of the Galaxy has been one of the, the last five years or so, it's been one of the tent poles mm-hmm. of the MCU. They are planning a third installment, and it, it, now it sounds like we know when we can expect it. Yep, uh, should be out in 2020. Um, again, all the, you know, the people will be back. You got your main cast, and then it, there's kind of the rumors of maybe bringing some of what are quote unquote the original Guardians from the comics, like Sly Stallone is is uh, was at the end of the second one. James Gunn did confirm too that um, Yondu will not make a, a comeback, so he is dead because um, he's making a point to have. When a character dies, it means something. And Yandu's death did mean something in that movie. So um, it, it'll be good that he won't be coming back because it'll actually have some sort of pull in the in the universe. Yeah, that's good. That kind of runs contrary to comic books in general. Mm-hmm. But for a movie, I, I like that move, and I'm glad he's come out and said it. Mm-hmm. That way people don't get their hopes up or whatever. So from the MCU, we move to the world of Fox, which is now, of course, a Disney property They've had to do a little shuffling around, not due to the acquisition, but for some other reasons. A little bit of shuffling around of, of their schedule for this coming year? Yeah, it's a not just a little bit. It's quite a shuffle. Um, so we're going to get Deadpool a lot sooner. Uh, well, not a lot. I guess a couple weeks sooner in May instead of June. It comes out the week before uh, Han Solo comes out. So that'll be an interesting mm-hmm. kind of couple weeks. Some people are speculating that... Uh, Han Solo might be pushed back because of kind of everything that's happened with the reshoots. And now that they're going to be competing with Deadpool, they might push that back a little bit. Um, New Mutants is now pushed off until actually 2019. It's almost an entire year it's being pushed off. Rumors are that was due to some of the testing. Uh, wasn't being It wasn't testing well, and they wanted to add more horror elements into it. So that could be a good or a bad thing. And then uh, Gambit is also being pushed back to 2019, later on in 2019. And the director, uh, who is subsequently the third director on the what was the current script and everything, uh, has dropped out. So they, they're getting a new director as well. So a lot of changes going on with the upcoming Fox schedule. What do you think about kind of the the competing with Han Solo and, and uh, Deadpool? I think it's dumb um, for all these movies. Everyone wants to stake their claim to a date mm-hmm. and have it, but that's it's silly. There just aren't enough dates over the summer. Mm-hmm. This is why it's bogus that nothing good comes out in January. <laughs> you could put out, why is no one paying attention to what Star Wars does? Star Wars put shit out in December because nobody put shit out in December. Right. And now they own December. It's the same, Jaws originally did it in may now marvel thinks they own this day in may you got to try to put out something over memorial d weekend so you have the first weekend in may is marvel's the last weekend in may got scooped up by star wars and now deadpool is wanting to move up i had heard that this is because of the tj miller um, accusations that have come out yeah that they want to kind of beat any bad press Mm -hmm. i don't think two weeks is gonna do that (laughs) no and now especially that all of those are disney properties now that they're just gonna eat each other up 
Infinity, I think Infinity War is going to make its money, mm-hmm. but it's going to negatively affect Deadpool because it's only two weeks later, and both of those are going to negatively affect Han Solo. That's why when you say that Han Solo might get pushed back, I think that's likely. Mm-hmm. Guys like us are going to go see every movie, but they're 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 going to lose all three of those movies. Will lose money because of them all coming out together like that. Well, and this is just a perfect example, I think, of why they need to just spread the shit out. With the case of Deadpool, um, it I know that the deal is signed, but legally they're not able to really even have communication towards us. So Fox is still operating under Fox right now, and. Marvel's not really looking them is, is not even legally able to look at them as a as an entity yet. So the decision to push that up really doesn't have anything to do with Disney. The the thing that people are kind of worried about though too is that now pushing back New Mutants and Gambit even further, those movies some people are saying is pretty likely won't even come out because they will be pushed back towards the point after the deal goes through and Disney's just going to scrap them more than yeah. likely. So to take those points in order, I get what you're saying with Fox. I know that deal doesn't really go through for a while yet. Even though that's the case, it's it's still stupid for Fox to mm-hmm. move a week ahead of yeah. Han Solo. Just because you're first, you know, maybe you get the big initial weekend, but now your week two sucks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, you make a good point there. Disney's not making all these decisions. Still a poor decision by Fox, in my opinion. Yep. Of course, smarter people than me are working on this. But based <laughs> on what I know, doesn't seem like a smart idea. Yeah. I'm really, I will be very, very sad if New Mutants doesn't end up coming out because I'm really looking forward to this one especially the whole the horror elements mm-hmm. mixed with these superheroes the cast is great i don't think gambit is going to get made anyway yeah i i lost faith in that a long time ago they've wanted channing tatum to be him this whole time i don't think that ends up happening at all now you said they've gone through their third director maybe some script rewrites i don't think that game that movie is coming out regardless of the Disney deal. I agree. But I really hope they find a way to get new mutants out. If I were to assume, because the the testing didn't go well for the movie. The movie is done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're, they're going to do some reshoots now. But with it being pushed off till after the Marvel deal happens, if it's not a great movie, um, it's going to be rated R. It's going to be a horror movie. It's not going to be anything in the direction Marvel wants to go with the characters, I'm assuming. my I would say it's, if I were to guess, about 75%. Not going to happen, if yeah. I were to guess. Well, that's a damn shame, because I thought that was an excellent idea. But, yeah, it would not surprise me at all if uh, if it ends up getting scrapped, which is a bummer. One of my favorite pieces of news that came out this week, which, I mean, any news about this movie would that w- would make me excited and, and be my favorite, is they cast uh, Ivan Drago's son for Creed Two. So they are, they are officially going in the route of the, the Drago storyline. Um, he was cast. He's a he's a boxer again. Uh, his name is uh, Florian Montano. Florian his his boxer name is Florian Big Nasty Montano. Um, dude is jacked, <laughs> so he's definitely following the the uh, Cree or the uh, Drago look. But uh, no, I it's 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 official. It's happening. So it'll be out in November this year. I read about this today, and first of all, it's. It seems weird to me that they haven't even started filming yet, and this is coming out in November. Mm-hmm. I know it's not. There's not a bunch of CG and shit to be done, but mm-hmm. still, that seems like a tight window. So I'll be impressed if they get that out on time. 
This guy, I was reading about him today. He's never acted in his life. No. Nope. He's just like a he's a fighter or a boxer from the Ukraine. Yep. So he'll probably do exactly like Drago did in the first, <laughs> say two words or four words or however many. Yep. I must break you, and if he dies, he dies. That's ten words. <laughs> so I would expect much of the same. I think this is still a really cheesy idea, but damn it, I'm going to go see it. Oh, hell yeah. I'm going to be super pumped. To be fair, though, the the boxer in Creed was a boxer, never had acted before. And then I know you didn't see Rocky Six, but the bo- the boxer in that one is also a boxer. And then, well, I'm not going to talk about Rocky Five. He was a boxer. <laughs> Tommy Gunn wasn't an actor? Are you kidding? <laughs> I don't believe it. They gave him a little bit too much to do in that movie, I think. <laughs> um, the, but that's the thing is is they don't give these characters a whole ton to do. I think that... Dolph Lundgren has done enough acting now that he's he could he's not going to necessarily carry the movie, but he's going to do enough to kind of wait. Dolph Lundgren is going to be in this. <laughs> yeah, they already confirmed that. No shit, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Oh Christ. Um, but he's he, I mean he's not a great actor, but he's I mean honestly he's as good as Sly Stallone, and Sly Stallone got a nomination for an Oscar last year or two years ago. So, <laughs> um, or was it last year? No, oh, it was fifteen. Yeah. So I, I think you can do enough with those those guys and it's gonna focus I still think it'll focus mostly on Michael B. Jordan and mm. kind of that relationship with him and Rocky and everything like that. So um I'm not worried about that. I, I feel like with this not being directed by Sly and the writing going through other people as well, um and then the the fighting and everything that kinda will carry over from the last one, I, I don't think it's gonna follow the same trajectory as as the other Rocky movies. Yeah, I, I like the way they shook it up some in Creed, and I hope they continue to do that. But, you know, it still will have the same Rocky feel in general, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But I I'll, I'll look forward to seeing what they do differently and what they keep the same. And also, anything Michael B. Jordan does is amazing to me. So uh, I think this one's going to be tight. Yeah, I know you and I are going to be there opening weekend. Hell yeah. Another movie we're looking forward to is this Tarantino, uh, Charlie Manson 1969 kind of movie, nice. and you were telling me today the first official casting has been made? Yeah, Leo is official. Leo DiCaprio. I, I know most people don't call him by the name we know him as, because we're <laughs> good friends. Uh, but Leo DiCaprio uh, is going to be, uh, he's officially cast as the lead in this movie. Yes! Uh, and not, not Charles Manson, because Charles Manson, I don't know if he'll even be in this movie, it sounds like, but he'll be playing this aging actor uh, that takes place during this time. Um, sounds like Tom Cruise is still in talks to be in this movie, uh, so that would be awesome uh, with Leo and Tom Cruise acting opposite each other, and then Margot Robbie is also being still uh, in talks as well to join the cast. So we're gonna have, especially with now Margot Robbie is getting respect right now because of Itania. I'm ex- I'm gonna check that out tomorrow night, so I'm excited to see it um, and, and see what kind of all the hype is about. But you know she's getting some respect. Uh, that cast is gonna be pretty stacked. It sounds like if they. I- Maybe I need to see I, Tanya first because I really just don't care much about Margot Robbie. But Tom Cruise and Leo DiCaprio and Quentin Tarantino is a literal wet dream that I have had before. Gross. <laughs> I know that's gross, but I'm being honest. Well, if that shit happens, I will be the first person in line. I promise you. You're going to go to the premiere? I'll find a fucking way, Seth. <laughs> I'm getting there. 
Well, from that gross point I had to make, let's get into some reviews. And like I said, we saw a lot of shit Mm -hmm. over the last week. I don't mean bad shit. Mm -hmm. We saw a lot of movies over the course of the last week. So we'll keep these reviews relatively brief. We'll only dive into uh, a couple things, really. So let's take these in chronological order. Starting last Thursday night, Seth, you and I went to The Commuter. What were some of your thoughts on that one? The Commuter. Choo-choo! Um, Liam Neeson... My, my thoughts. Liam Neeson on a train, beats some ass, mediocre. Next next question! <laughs> yeah, that that's pretty much it. Uh, nothing here you haven't seen before. I would say cue this one up and wait for it to come out on video, and then check it out. Uh, typical Liam Neeson stuff. If you like Liam Neeson movies, you, you should enjoy this one. If you don't, this isn't gonna bring you in. Mm-hmm. So... You know, choose based on that. Um, Seth, what do you do? You give it a recommend, or what do you think? Um, yeah, like you said, it, it's one of those like if you like Liam Neeson, um, if hopefully it's on Netflix, you don't have to pay for it. <laughs> um, maybe Redbox it for a dollar, or if it's like at a dollar theater, go see it. I, I wouldn't say even pay full price for it. Um, he it, he's kind of run his course a little bit in terms of just he's old. You know, he's he's older and he can't do the same things he can do. Um, yeah, it's it's fine. It's like I said, mediocre. So. Yep, exactly. Um, I can't wait to see the next vehicle he beats ass on. Though, is it going to be a boat? Is it? Gonna it's got to be a boat or a, a jet ski. Stay with me here. Spaceship. Oh. <laughs> well, he was in Star Wars, which is space. So. And he does beat ass in that, but I'm talking about an enclosed space, like a space station, mm-hmm. right? And it's called like decaying orbit and his space station write this down his space station loses power and it's starting to fall out of the sky but there's also somehow terrorists on it and he's got to beat up the terrorists and fix the space station so that it doesn't fall out of the sky that's the movie you know he would definitely say Houston we have a problem (laughs) yeah he definitely would he definitely would we got to keep this one for posterity because when they make that movie, I want to claim that it was my idea first. <laughs> okay, so sticking in the vein of alleged ass-kicking movies, the next one I saw was Proud Mary. Mary, Mary, big wheels keep on turning. So Proud Mary, right off the bat, I'll tell you, this this gets a skip it from me. All right, next question. <laughs> I had kind of high hopes for this because of Taraji, um, because she is a fantastic actress and she can get it. And I was just ready for her to Jesus. beat everyone's ass. And she really didn't. There was a couple pretty good action scenes in this, but the plot follows a, a very lame, tired storyline where she's basically trying to protect this kid, which has been done a million times. Mm-hmm. And nothing about this movie surprises you. It's exactly what you'd expect. Nothing new. And I I wanted this one to be good, again, because I like Taraji, but it's really not. I was super bored in this one. I honestly, swear to God, I checked my watch in this movie, and it had been 45 minutes. (laughs) And it's only a 90-minute movie. So this gets a heavy, heavy skip it for me. I'm not going to give it any more time. If my math checks out, you checked your watch about halfway through the movie. I'm just checking. Hold on. Yeah, 
Yeah, you're exactly right. Oh my god! Halfway through this movie, I want. All right, to I'm be done alive. with this podcast. I'm gonna go to Harvard. <laughs> Watch out, Road Scholars. Next one on my list. You and I went separately, but we did both see the post this weekend. I'll let you go first. What did you think of the post? I definitely enjoyed it. Um, it was what I expected, honestly, because when you when you, when you Say a movie's coming out directed by Steven Spielberg with Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks. Um, you know what you're getting out of those guys. Yep. And so it was definitely directed very well. Streep and Hanks have great performances. What I thought was really awesome though was Bob Odenkirk was featured very heavily. Mm-hmm. Honestly, he had the most combined screen time I think out of all of them. Um, just in terms of his his overall, because he was traveling a lot and and haven't he had a couple scenes, uh, lengthy scenes by himself. Yeah, um, he's an important character. Bob Odenkirk, if you don't know, uh, he's Better Call Saul. Yep. Uh, he was in uh, Tim and Eric, Great Show, Super Job, or whatever the hell that yeah, was he called. Yeah, with Bob and David on Netflix. Um, Bob and David, yeah, that's what I'm that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, he is. He, I mean, he's done so much. He's usually a character actor who does a lot of comedy stuff. Um, the, his his first real show was uh, called Mr. Show, which was a uh, show with David Cross, who is also in this movie as well. He is David Cross is the actor uh, from Arrested Development, if you've seen that show. And Small Soldiers. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh, um, uh, but he so he he had a lot to do in this. He got nominated for a supporting actor for the Globes. Um, he didn't win because obviously Sam Rockwell won. But um, I. I really loved his performance uh, in this movie. I was r- really happy to see how much he was featured, and, and I hope he gets an Oscar nod as well. But, I mean, like I said, you, ex- you get what you expect out of this movie. It's very good, very well-produced, written, directed. I'm mean, enjoying it quite a bit. I would echo everything you said there and extend it out to really the entire cast. There's a ton of great actors in this. Pretty much everyone who speaks has been nominated for some shit. <laughs> You can't say enough about how good Steven Spielberg is at making movies, the cinematography, the score in this, the way that they show a paper being made was super interesting to Mm -hmm. me, which is the most boring thing in the world is a newspaper. Yeah. And it made that exciting. Yeah. This story is not a particularly action packed one. It's a lot of conversation, a lot of decision making. And I was I was pretty riveted the whole way through. This movie, for me, and I, I know I mentioned this to you already, Seth, but this was, to me, it's objectively the best movie I've seen this year. And I mean that this is it's not a lot of people's favorite movie. That's not what I'm saying. But you could show this to a film class and say, this is how you make a movie. Mm-hmm. And... From a technical standpoint, all the way across the board, what I think it lacks, and one of the reasons that another movie we'll talk about in a little bit that you like better, mm-hmm. one of the things that difference, different differentiates movies like this is there's not a ton of heart in it. Mm-hmm. There's not any love or anything of that nature. So it comes across kind of cold, but... For me, the technical ability of Spielberg to put a movie together is so fucking good yeah. that, for me, it's it should be definitely considered as one of the top two or three for Best Picture. Um, I think, as you like to say, movies are subjective, mm-hmm. so that 
heart or lack thereof in this story uh, could end up costing it the mm-hmm. best picture to some of these other ones that we'll talk about. But from a purely making a movie standpoint, this is the best movie I've seen in a while. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, it definitely. It, it kind of reminds me of like a Spotlight, which one best picture. Um, I think I liked Spotlight a little bit more than this one. Mm-hmm. But the, in terms of just, like, like you said, the technical aspects and putting a movie together it's definitely i mean it's it's picture perfect in that way what like you said though it lacks kind of like the heart it also lacks kind of like the um it's not as arty as some of the other movies that have come right. out this year yep. uh, like the three billboards you know you get the those movies make you think a whole lot more than, mm. the, than the post does um the post the post instead of making you think it makes a comment yep. of and especially right now how important the comment of like women uh, in power, um, it makes that comment. It also makes a comment about the press. Yep. Um, really well timed. Yes, exactly. But it doesn't make you think like a movie like Three Billboards does, um, and kind of how society is as a whole, and how um, in terms of acceptance and things like that, where you have to draw your own conclusions and and kind of think about yourself. The post doesn't really make you do that as much. Right. Which I think that's that's a lot of what like the academy looks for mm-hmm. um, when is, is this an art piece is this much more of an art piece as opposed to uh, a, a great film made yes but is it a great film plus an art piece you yeah know? exactly and i think th- i think here the main character of this movie is the story it tells mm-hmm. and i am able to appreciate that this is a this and then the next movie we'll talk about three billboards is it's real. It's a peek at your and my difference in taste, mm-hmm. really. And we've we've had many conversations about this. I like a technically good movie with a great story, and you're more interested in the characters and the heart and soul of a movie mm-hmm. in general. And so, you know, whichever of those types you are, you're gonna like the post, mm-hmm. whether or not you think it'll be best picture, whatever. But right. you're gonna like the post. I think from both of us, this gets a recommend. It's a go see it now from me. Yeah, we we both appreciate both movies. Mm-hmm. Um, what and both speaking from just what we kind of talked about already, we, we think both movies are very good movies. Um, it's just that the way that they're made is a lot different, mm-hmm. and so that's where the debate of best picture comes into play. Yeah, so. exactly. It's and let's segue that into the the next movie I saw. You've seen it a while ago. You've reviewed it, so I'll keep this brief. But I went to three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, and I would echo a lot of the things you mentioned in your review. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the way this was shot. The acting in it was really good. Yeah. Um, I I have to admit though, I didn't like this one quite as much as you did. Yeah. I know you've heaped praise on it. Again, I think it comes down to our tastes, yep. where I like something more like The Post, you like something more like this. For me, it the story didn't move a lot for me. You see this gradual change in the people, mm-hmm. but there weren't a lot of plot points that it hit for me. And that's really funny because, like with The Post, that to me, I thought that movie was very slow moving because the story from the first... 45 minutes or an hour to, of the movie is pretty slow in terms yeah. of how, how the story progresses. Um, the characters really never have much of a progression in that movie. So it's kind of funny. I mean, it, that reflects to what, what you're already talking about. Yeah, exactly. But I, 
you've mentioned Francis McDormand is very excellent in this movie. Mm-hmm. Sam Rockwell, I think his win at the Golden Globes is totally justified. He is the best, to me, the best part of this movie, Sam Rockwell. Yep. He's fantastic. I compare this movie, Three Billboards, to almost like a Coen Brothers movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking specifically about like No Country for Old Men, which is a fantastic fucking movie. I love that movie. But it's very, here is a scene, a beautifully framed shot with two people talking to each other. And it's not always even necessarily about what the story is, mm-hmm. right? They'll just kind of talk. And you get to peek into sort of who they are as a person and as a character, and they do enough of that that you see them change throughout the movie. Yep. There is some action parts, not a lot, but it's a lot of conversations throughout and it's really a character, and correct me if you think differently, but it's a character study. In mm-hmm. this. You see, you meet a bunch of people, you see them change, and you see how they end up. Yep. And so it's not so much the story here as it is the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It, it kind of, now that we've both seen it, and I know you didn't see this last year, but this movie, this movie kind of reminds me of like Manchester a little bit mm-hmm. in the way that it's it's definitely not a happy story. Right. Uh, the characters aren't really very likable, and it makes me kind of think of like how those it, it's harder for those type of movies to do well and mm-hmm. win. Because um, if I think of like Manchester, um, I think that movie, if you put it in this year's class, would be a front runner. But it wasn't even close last year. So it's just kind of weird. I just kind of had that thought real quick, uh, the, kind of comparing those movies and and seeing how kind of the the the, the differences in, in just a year, how, how that can make. Yeah, exactly. And those movies are really good places for actors to showcase themselves. Mm-hmm. They're really good places for directors to showcase themselves. What Three Billboards has that The Post didn't is that arty feel, yep. right? That arty feel that the Academy eats up. Yep. Um, you had Moonlight last year win over La La Land, which La La Land was this big technical achievement, mm-hmm. and Moonlight had the heart and the grit and the artistic piece of it. And so the Globes, obviously, they chose three billboards. I will not be surprised if the Academy does the same. I think this is a good enough movie to win Best Picture. But as we always say... Movies are subjective. So this one doesn't grab me quite in the way that it grabs you. But even if I only look at it from a technical standpoint, the way that it's shot, acted, and written, mm-hmm. it is it is an excellent movie. I'm yeah. able to understand that. Not something that I'm going to go out and watch again, but I do recommend <laughs> that everyone uh, give this one a chance when they when they, when they they get an opportunity to see it. Yeah, it's definitely hard to watch something like this twice. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, not a, it's not a happy movie at all. It sounds to kind of piggyback off the Oscar thing, like right now the and and it always changes so much as we get closer. Um, but Lady Bird and Three Billboards, who subsequently were the ones who won for the Golden Globes, are the two front runners for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Uh, and I know there's a lot of campaigning once the the nominations come up come up here in a couple of weeks. There's a lot of campaigning going on and things like that. So we'll see what happens. 
It's really going to be interesting. It, there's no obvious choice, mm -hmm. I think. It could go any number of ways. So I'm excited to see. Nominations are coming out next week, maybe? Yeah, I think next week or the week after, like a week to 10 days or something like that. So I know that like, once the nominations came out last year, um, La La Land was the, the, the lead favorite, and then we got really close to the, the Oscars, and it switched. Mm -hmm. Like kind of a dime, and it was moonlight, and then the whole debacle happened. But. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. Maybe we'll get two winners again this year. <laughs> <laughs> I got two more movies to talk about. Both are in the Oscar conversation. The first, I had a really, really great time at The Greatest Showman. Yeah. This is the musical starring Hugh Jackman. It's kind of the story of P.T. Barnum. We've talked about this several times in the past. P.T. Barnum, not a good dude. <laughs> Um, I will admit that this movie does paint him more positively than history does, mm -hmm. but it does, it's not always peaches and rainbows for him. Yeah. There are some scenes in here where he does some questionable shit and he has to learn from it. Um, what I will say about this movie is it is an excellent musical. Mm -hmm. All the musical numbers in this were super fun for me. I got chills down my back. Were they like, multiplying? They were multiplying like to a hundred times throughout this movie. The opening shot of The Greatest Showman, you see Hugh Jackman. He strikes like this Michael Jackson pose. With a claw. And you just see his his silhouette against a, a spotlight from the back. And he kind of speaks the first words to the song. And it's something like... Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've been waiting for. Bum. And then the music hits. And I I in the theater, out loud, I went, oh, fuck, I'm so in. <laughs> and and then I, a 12-year-old cried next to you. Yeah. I immediately was eating this up. The, the big, huge spectacle of it all. And that's really what this movie is about, is put on a show and be loud and make people happy. And I was made super, super happy by The Greatest Showman. The, the music was great. The dance choreography. Hugh Jackman had this movie. He dances and sings a lot. And mm -hmm. anyone who knows who he is knows he's got Broadway experience and all that. He filmed this the same year he filmed Logan. And that is fucking insane to be able to do both those things. Most people can't do either of those things. And he did them both in quick succession. He is amazing. Zac Efron also does a great job. He has not forgotten his high school musical skills. Um, Duke can sing and dance. They have a scene where they sing and dance together that is my favorite in the whole movie. They're in a bar talking to each other. And as they're singing, they're, like, taking shots and putting them on the bar, like, to the rhythm of the song. Mm -hmm. It's super cool. Outside of the music, to talk about the movie as a whole, there's not a lot here, right? It's like most musicals that come out. There's not a lot of very difficult acting that ever needs to be done. Most of what happens is given to you visually and through song. So while, Seth, I don't think this is one for you. I know you're not a huge musical fan. You're no. not going to find a lot in this to love. But for anyone who enjoys musicals at all, like even a little bit, I think you're going to dig Greatest Showman. So it, it does get a recommend from me with that caveat mm -hmm. because it's just so – the music 
portions of this, and there's a ton of music in it, are super, super great. I've been listening to the the, the soundtrack ever since I saw it. <laughs> now, I know you mentioned that you said kind of before, you know, kind of an Oscar look. I, I think this one is more of an Oscar for, like, the music. Yes. Um, it sounds like the the acting and everything, because like, the movie on Tomatoes is, like, in the 50s right mm. now. Um, so I don't think it's going to be for the acting or the best picture, but what do you, what, I mean, what do you think of the acting in it? The acting that there was, was great. So you have Hugh Jackman, Michelle Williams is in this. Also, Rebecca Ferguson plays a big part. You have Zac Efron, uh, Zendaya. They all do really well. They're just not asked to do a ton. That's not singing. I think Hugh Jackman and Michelle Williams do the most. That's outside of songs. And they do a really excellent job. The Hugh Jackman does an excellent job of this as a sort of a sad dreamer. Mm-hmm. And then also later on a sort of dickish successful person. And in between, he's got like this drive and this obsession with his dream. And he does each of those parts super well. His name has been tossed around in terms of lead actor. I I think that he very well could be nominated. I wouldn't have any problem with that. I don't think he wins, but it'd be cool to see him get nominated for this. I don't think anybody in this is deserving of a supporting actor <laughs> nod, but for what they were asked to do in this movie, everyone was, was fantastic in my opinion. Hmm. And then the the music, like you said, is 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 really where this is going to come into play. Now, the the score, the soundtrack, um, and best original song, I think, is one that this could win. Mm-hmm. Um, they did win the Golden Globe for This Is Me, which is uh, one of the really big, big, loud, emotional songs in the movie. And I, I had complained earlier that... It has to be Remember Me from Coco that wins and nothing else. I want to walk that back a little bit because (laughs) that that This Is Me song from The Greatest Showman and actually several of the songs from Greatest Showman are so damn good that I wouldn't be offended if they beat Remember Me. But I have such an emotional connection to Coco and to this movie even. Mm -hmm. There's There's some parts in this that made me tear up too. So... Whichever way they go, I won't be upset. Um, if it's neither of those, someone's high. But <laughs> I think that whichever one of those wins, they can't go wrong. I'm going to have a hell of a time trying to pick between them, though. So speaking of that Oscar conversation, All the Money in the World has had a bit of a, a, a rocky roller coaster ride Yeah, the last couple months. You had the Kevin Spacey stuff, then they reshot uh, it was a, a favorite for a while for Best Picture. Then that fell off. Uh, I went to this the, last also night. Also, the, the Mark Wahlberg pay thing. Yeah, that was huge in the news. She Yeah, he got paid like $2 million, and she Michelle Williams got paid $80 a day. Yeah, I think that that whole thing was sort of taken out of context. Yeah, it was, because he ended up paying almost all of what he made back. Yeah, he to... donated he donated all of his mm-hmm. and the way that all classy. broke down was they went back to do the reshoots, they agreed on pay. Mm-hmm. And then Michelle Williams decided on her own to give up her pay in order to help them fund the movie. 
And Mark Wahlberg just didn't do that. <laughs> and it got picked up as this story about like the wage gap. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't that. She just was nicer than him. <laughs> and so it wasn't Mark Wahlberg being shitty. It wasn't the filmmakers being shitty. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it. And so I think that got really driven out of context. Yeah. Now, that said, if there was a conversation where they both told each other, let's give up our our money to help the movie mm-hmm. and he backed out of it, then fuck him. That's right. what you need to do. But I don't know that that was the case. I, I read an article about this and I was like, this isn't that bad. I don't know what's going on. And, you know, maybe you folks out there listening have more context and want to enlighten me more about why Mark Wahlberg sucks. I don't know. But based on what I know, that didn't seem like such a huge deal. I will say, though, the movie itself I can kind of understand why it's Oscar buzz has worn down. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of hype for this movie. I think in seeing it, this is a very good movie. I really did like this movie, but it's not a slam dunk Oscar winner at all. Right. I could see it getting a nomination. Remember, we do get 10 of these now, 10 nominees. I could see it getting a nomination. I don't see it as a winner. No. And I did like this movie a lot. I... I liked the way that Ridley Scott shot this movie. There's sort of a tint to everything. Yep. And it it feels like it feels old, right? Like vintage. Mm-hmm. And he slapped that tint on there. The way they shoot, whenever Getty, J.P. Getty is in a room with anyone else, just in the way they frame him, you can tell he's in charge. Yep. No matter who he's with, he is the big dick in the room. And I, I don't really know what it was. Maybe maybe it was more just the frame of, what's his name? Uh, Christopher Plummer. Yeah, maybe it's just the frame of Christopher Plummer or maybe whatever it is Ridley Scott was doing to put him in shots, he was always in charge. Yep. And that was cool. He was intimidating. He's a shitty guy, though. <laughs> um, the There was... An interesting mix of more action in this than I expected to see. So that was a welcome. Um, I thought that the the son in this, or the grandson that actually gets kidnapped, yep. I thought he showed flashes of being really good. But in general, I wasn't a fan of his. Yeah, I don't think he was super great. Um, the same goes for Michelle Williams. She had a couple really good scenes, but in general, nothing that really blew me away. Yeah. Mark Wahlberg does not act in this movie. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg just is Mark Wahlberg. Yep. And that kind of bummed because he he doesn't fit in time in this movie. Mm-hmm. The way he speaks does not fit in time. The way where they want it. What is it like the fifties, forties? Um, I think it's the. I think it's later than that. Maybe it is. I think it's I, the seventies or eight seventies. I think it's the seventies. Okay. Well, whenever it is, Mark Wahlberg does not fit there. He, he <laughs> puts on. He doesn't put on an accent that I can discern. He doesn't even change his dialect or the way he the the words he says. He feels like he's in two thousand fifteen and everyone else is in the seventies, which is weird. A surprise to me was I can't think of the actor's name, but there is a one of the kidnappers that is the primary guy that they. Um, speak to yeah i really liked him yep i thought he did a good job and he had a different range of things that he had to do and show so i really liked him on the whole i thought this was written well i thought it was shot well and acted okay Mm -hmm. 
Um, the direction was really good. Well, obviously the direction could have been better because the acting could have been better. Right. But I don't see this as a best picture and a winner. I do see it as a, as a nominee. Um, I could see Ridley Scott getting a nomination for this, but I think he's one of those bubble. Uh, he's on the bubble. Yeah. You know, I don't know that I can name seven directors that were better than him this year, but I won't, I won't argue if you can. So we'll see how this lands. I think it'll find a way to get a couple nominations, but it's not going to be what people thought it was going to be a month ago. Yeah, I I don't see Ridley Scott as getting nominated. Um, I think that there are plenty of other uh, directors out there that had better, did better jobs. Um, I could, I mean, right now I would say people we've talked about, obviously like Mark McDonough who won for the Globes, um, Steven Spielberg, I think, did a better job. Jordan mm-hmm. Peele did a better job for Get Out. Oh, I would love Jordan Peele to get I, I, I thought that movie was a better movie, and I thought that he did a better job directing. So I don't think really Ridley Scott, while he did he did a great job of pulling this all together with the whole controversy and everything, I don't think he deserves, just as the movie, if you watch the movie, for, that, for him to get a, a nomination. I thought that movie had really bad pacing issues. And I don't think he got the best performances out of his actors that he Mm. could have, especially Michelle Williams, who I was, it sounds like she's going to get nominated still, but I don't think her performance was as good as it could have been. So, yeah, I I would agree with you there. I definitely don't think she wins. Sure. She can get nominated all she wants. Let's close with a movie that I know nothing about. (laughs) Never heard of it until you mentioned it to me last night, Mm -hmm. but it's a gem. I don't even know where you found this movie. What, what is this movie that you've seen? Uh, it's so it's a, it, and it, I'm kind of glad that I because I'm I'm down to my last few Oscar movies now, so I'm I'm trying to get back into the the independent movies that that I know and love. This one is called Brad Status. I saw the trailer for this. I think maybe when I saw Lady Bird, when Lady Bird first came around. It's a movie starring Ben Stiller. He plays kind of a midlife, like 40s, late 40s, early 50s father whose son is now going through the whole college application and interview and and tour process and it's causing him to reflect on his life and some of the decisions he's made in terms of his career and and um, his wife and things like that so um, first off if you watch go watch the trailer for this movie the the trailer plays off to be almost like a, a comedy, um, kind of like a, a dramedy, comedy type movie. A dramedy, I guess, <laughs> if you put, <laughs> if I would have just stuck with that. But it turns out to be more of a just straight up drama, um, some, even kind of a depressing indie drama, which I enjoy quite a bit. And if I would have known that going into the movie, I would have enjoyed it a whole lot more. Um, so if you do check this out, because anyone can check this out right now, it's on VOD, Google Play, Vudu, all that stuff, Amazon. It's actually an Amazon Studios film, so uh, which I know they're getting into more of that. But um, anyone who checks this out, which you can right away, um, expect that going into it. It's more of an independent drama as opposed to a comedy. Um, but like I mentioned, Ben Stiller plays Brad, whose son is going through the college process at Harvard, where he went to school. And so that makes him think about him and his old friends. Ben Stiller's character as Brad is because he's reflecting on this and he's comparing his life to some of these other his other friends he's not a very likable character throughout this movie he mentions several times about how his life is inferior and he kind of puts down his wife 
and he's relying on his kid uh, to be successful so he can kind of rub it in other people's faces. And and there's even points where like his other friends are going through health issues with their family and he's kind of celebrating that, things like that. So that's, it's, it's hard to like Ben Stiller <laughs> in this movie, which is not a normal thing. There's some pretty good actors in this movie. You got uh, Michael Sheen, who's been in been in a couple things. Luke Wilson, who's actually not a bad dramatic actor at times. Uh, he has a small part in this. Jenna Fisher also plays his wife in this movie. All of these actors have five to ten minute roles in the movie, but they do a good job complimenting uh, Ben Stiller. Um, his son is played by Austin Abrams, who has had a few po- uh, parts in some movies as well, uh, more independent type movies as well. Uh, they all give really solid performances, though, and, and kind of help move the story along. Like I said, though, I thought the film was good overall. Uh, again, I would have enjoyed it more if I would no- would have known what I was getting going into it. But I still liked it because I'm a fan of these kind of depressing type movies, almost like a three billboards. But it's not depressing where you feel bad after watching it because it does kind of have some messages in there that uh, aren't completely depressing. But it's very it's an interesting movie overall. And uh, it, it's it, it kind of has a different take on the family drama that you normally don't get from a teen going to college, family growing up type of movie. So normally you get it from a teen perspective. This one you get from the, the parents' perspective. Uh, it's, it's almost like an anti-Ladybird in a way. That's what I was just thinking. It sounds like <laughs> it would go nicely as a double feature. Yeah. I didn't even think about that till now, but it's like an anti-Ladybird. So. I would say if you like Ben Stiller and some of his more dramatic performances, uh, kind of like Walter Mitty, check that out. Um, also, if you're just a fan of indie dramas or kind of like that, the real life teen type thing, um, check that out. But um, I, I think it's a, a overall put together, uh, well put together movie. It's like 81% in Tomatoes uh, right now too. So uh, it's worth it's worth checking out if you you want to pay a couple bucks or see it on Netflix whenever or Amazon. It'll be on Amazon Prime more than likely. So Very good. Well, there you have it. You can find that movie wherever it is you rent movies. And that's going to wrap up the show for this week. Want to give a shout out to anyone listening on YouTube. We're now posting on Jared Buckendall's channel. While you're over there, listen to the Soco show, but don't forget to check out Jared's movie reviews. I know that just moments ago as we were recording, he he posted a review for The Post. Mm -hmm. So make sure you check that stuff out. I know Jared's got some exciting new stuff coming your way. Yeah, some Um, new enhancements to his his videos, uh, new music, new video. Uh, He's got the green screen going. I know we had a chance to hang out with him this weekend. Uh, He he had mentioned uh, wanting to do another podcast soon, um, this time in person. So... Hopefully we can get him on. I Hopefully around the Oscar time we can talk about Oscar movies. So Yeah, that would be good. So look forward to that. Obviously, um, you can catch updates as far as the show goes on our Twitter page. That's at SoCoShowPod. If you prefer just Seth or just me, you can find us at SethOot or at underscore Cody Michael. Yeah, none of the underscore bullshit. <laughs> And don't forget to scribe, subscribe to us wherever it is you listen to podcasts. You, you can it, subscribe to us if you want to. Subscribe to us. It's <laughs> going to take a while for that letter to get to us, and we rarely check our mail. So <laughs> if you want to write us, send us an email, SocoShow91 at gmail.com. Ask us a question. Give us a topic to discuss. Tell me I'm wrong about three billboards. 
Um, whatever it is you want to comment on, you can leave those wherever it is you're listening to podcasts or via Twitter or email. And if you want to actually write to us, it's P.O. Box 69. Ah. <laughs> oh, let's see. Next week, I, I have confirmed that we're going to get Oscar nominations next Tuesday. Okay. So we'll be discussing those on next week's show. We probably oh. won't do predictions, but we'll just discuss the nominees a little bit. I'll have a review for I, Tanya. Excellent. I that, yeah. Yeah, I know you're you're traveling to see that one. It's got a limited limited release this weekend yep. at the Artsy Theater a little ways away. So I'll be interested to hear what you think of that one. We're getting close. We've almost seen all the Oscar movies now. So. I just have, once I see that tomorrow, I'll have Shape of Water and uh, Call Me By Your Name left as kind of the ones that are being talked about. So There you go. And then... Obviously, we'll be making our Oscar predictions, and uh, we'll we'll make it interesting. We'll we'll find a way to uh, lay some stakes to that, uh, and you you folks will be the first to know if you're listening to the show. So, thanks again for joining us for episode 27. This is Cody Michael for Seth Ott, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.